Thanks for listening to the Cool Church Podcast. We're praying that wherever you are on this journey, that this message encourages you. And we wanted you to know that you were created out of love. And now, here's today's message with our very own Pastor Terrence Wilson. If you got your Bibles, I want to preach a message to you out of Matthew chapter 28. And man, this is a story. I believe this is the greatest story ever told. And I'm so thankful that God has blessed me for the last 18 years of my life to be able to tell this story to audiences all over the world. And I'm thankful once again, I get to stand here before you at 41 years old and tell it to you. Because we serve a God that has given us the greatest news of all time. It's so good, he calls it the good news. I just want to give somebody, I know we hear a lot of bad news every day. I hope today you know you're about to get some good news. Amen? Amen. So if you're ready for the good news, look at your neighbor and say, I got good news. Look at your other neighbor, the one you don't like because you picked them second. Say, I got good news for you too. <laughs> Shout out to the folks in Overflow. I can't see you, but I love you, man. Praise God. Get to church earlier next time. Okay, um... I love you. I'm just kidding. Thank you for being here. Thank you. I love you. Matthew chapter 28. I want to read verses 1 through 15 as I close out this Back to Life series today. How many of y'all been enjoying this series, Back to Life? How many of you enjoyed the finest pastor in the world preaching last week, Pastor Joanne? Girl, you got up here today in that dress. I said, we're going to end Easter early. Pray Jesus. Lord is my shepherd. He know what I want. Girl, you look good. Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 15. I'm going to read it out of the NIV. If you don't know where Matthew is, flip like half of your Bible over. You're laying right in the middle. Start in the New Testament. Matthew. Matthew 28, verse 1 through 15 says, After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, he rolled back the stone and sat on it. That's so cool. And his appearance, the Bible says, was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. And the guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. Mm. The angel said to the woman, do not be afraid or fear not, some versions say, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. Yeah, that's a good place to get excited. He is not here. He is risen. Just as he said, come and see. Look at your neighbor say, come and see. Mm -mm -mm. come and see the place where he lay then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee there you will see him now I have told you so the woman hurried from the tomb afraid yet filled with joy and ran to tell his disciples suddenly Jesus met them greetings he said they came to him and clasped his feet and worshipped him Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers.
to go to Galilee. There they will see me. While the women, get this, while the women were on their way, some guards, some of the guards went to the city and reported to the chief of priests everything that had happened. When the chief of priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, you are to say, listen to this, his disciples have come during the night and stole him away while we were sleeping. If the report gets to the governor, we, this is the Pharisees talking, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. This is one of the saddest verses in the Bible. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. If you're taking notes on this finale of this Back to Life series, I've entitled it this. The resurrection and the robbery. The resurrection and the robbery. Let's pray. Father God, once again, we thank you for this day. For this is the day that you have made, God. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. God, I thank you that before the earth began to spin on its axis, you knew each and every person that was going to be here today, each and every person that was going to watch online. God, people that are being connected to this house, God, I pray that I would lie down as you rise up. Don't let these words be my own, but let them come directly from your throne room of grace. God, open hearts, minds, and ears to be open and receptive to a message that will always be about Jesus. God, I pray for the one, the one that needs to hear this word the most, the one that may be on the fence that needs to be brought back to life today. I pray you would touch them right where they are, whether they're in this room, whether they're in an overflow, or whether they're in some other part of the world. Touch them right where they are. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody set? Everybody set? Take about five seconds and give Jesus one more shout of praise. Come on. Happy Resurrection Sunday, family. This is the day where we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. If you were with us on Good Friday, we remembered the death of our Lord and Savior on the cross. Of all the great events that happened in Jesus' life from his birth to his resurrection, the one that he tells us in Scripture to remember is his death because there was a price paid on that cross that he never wants us to forget. But I love that he died on that Friday, but Sunday was coming. How many of you know Sunday's here, amen? And I believe that God, in the spirit, prophetically, and in your life, he wants to bring some things back to life. Maybe you have a dream that has died, but let me tell you something, it could come back to life. Maybe you got a relationship that has died, but guess what? We serve the God that could bring that thing back to life. Maybe you had a God idea, not a good idea, but everybody laughed at you, so you allowed it to die, but I'm here to tell you God wants to bring that thing back to life. This is a season of resurrection, and when some things get up, let me tell you something everything has to get up because we serve the God that won't allow things to stay dead because if he lives we can live if you believe it say amen. amen so in this resurrection season we celebrate and as it pertains 
to the resurrection story of Jesus, there's two stories you can believe. And there's two stories that I read to you in that initial text. And today, I want to dissect two different testimonies from two different groups of people who found themselves at the tomb that day when the stone was rolled away so that we can ask ourselves a couple of very important questions on this Easter Sunday. Do you believe in the resurrection or do you believe in the robbery? Do you believe in the resurrection or do you believe in the robbery? Let's take that first question. Do you believe the resurrection? Look at what the Bible says in Matthew 28, 5 through 8. It says, the angel said to the woman, do not be afraid for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. I love, I love the angel says this, come and see where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you so. The women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. I love that the angel, I love this because like the angel was just posting up. Like, let me just chill on there, Rod. Angel was just chilling. Ladies come up. It's like, come and see. Go inside. I want you to look and see what you find when you get inside. Come and see. Whatever these women saw, it developed their faith. So what did they see? Well, what does Matthew 28, 2 through 4 says? It says, there was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning. His clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. What did they see? They saw an angel that had rolled a stone away and the rolling of this stone was so violent it caused the entire earth to shake. But not only that, they saw soldiers who were supposed to be on their post frozen like dead men, asleep on the job, if you will. But not only did they see that, the angel said, come and see. They looked inside a tomb and they saw a tomb with nobody. They saw a tomb with no one in it. So they saw a tomb. They didn't see a body. That's what they saw. What did they not see from that description that I just read to you? Let me tell you what they did not see. They never saw Jesus walk out of that tomb. You ever catch that? They knew he wasn't there. They never saw how he actually got out of that tomb. And if you just read this on a surface level, you would say, oh, well, the angel, you know, he caused the earthquake, he rolled a stone away, and then Jesus walked out. That's what it might appear like on a surface level, but they never saw him walk out, right? I, I love this because here's a little bit of revelation for you. The stone was not rolled away to let Jesus out. weak do 
do you think our God is that somebody got to roll a stone for him to get out there? Who do you think we serve? You think we just serve some ordinary man? Let me get this stone out of the way so Jesus can get out of here. You think the angel had more power than... I, I, I read the text and I realize that the stone wasn't rolled away to... Like, if... If death could not hold him, how could a stone tomb hold him? How? Explain it to me. How, Sway? If death could, you think, you think a stone who is subject and servant to him could hold him? What do you mean the stone is a servant? If you don't praise him, the rocks will cry out. If he can make a rock cry out, you don't think he can make it move? I love, I love this because a stone tomb was not a prison that was impossible for our God to escape. And I know this because I don't even think, I just, I don't even have to say I think. I know Jesus didn't even have to move the stone to get out the tomb. He didn't even have to do it. How you know that? You just making stuff up because you want us to believe in Jesus. No. I'm going to tell you what the Bible says. Because when Jesus came back with his resurrected body, when he came back in his glory, the only scars he kept were the nail scars, and that was just to prove a point. But he came back in a resurrected body, but this body, it didn't operate the way that our bodies offer. And how many of you know, one day we're going to get to heaven, and man, we're going to get a brand new body. Them pounds that we ain't want, gone. Oh, my goodness. That hair that we can't grow, it's coming back. Y'all ain't even going to recognize me when I get to heaven. Y'all going to be standing behind me in the line. You're going to see somebody with some long, flowing hair. I'm going to just be doing this for no reason. I'm going to turn around. You're going to be like, Pastor T? You'll be walking in my glory. You move different when you walk in glory. Oh, that's a whole message. See, some of y'all ain't walking in glory. You walking in grief. So it's hard for you to do the things that you were made to do. I don't know about you, but you need to put that grief down and you need to begin to walk in that glory. Because when you walk in that glory, you walk in confidence. When you walk in that glory, you walk in greatness. When you walk in that glory, you walk in gratitude. Oh my goodness. I need somebody to walk in glory today. Jesus walked in glory, so he moved different. How you know that? Look at what John 20, 19 says. It says, on the evening of the first day of the week, this is after the resurrection. It says, when the disciples were together with the doors locked. Was the door open? It was locked, wasn't it? With the door locked for fear of Jew, uh, Jewish leaders. Listen, this, this is why she laughs so hard because I can't just read it. I got to see it. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. They got the door. Man, they're looking for us, man, because they know we served all oh, I can see Peter. He was probably talking to more. Lord, Jesus, oh, Lord, what are we going to do, man? Oh, Jesus gone now. They're looking for us. What are we going to do? Oh, man, lock the doors. Oh, put something in front of the door, man. Please, we can't lock the windows. Do whatever you got to do. Jesus. Hey, man, why y'all locking all these doors up? <laughs> Chill, man, have peace. Je the, with the resurrected body, he ain't even got to open the door. So what makes you think he needed to have a stone rolled away? He was walking in his glory. They never saw Jesus get up and walk out of the tomb because the stone was rolled away. Because the stone did not have to be rolled away for Jesus to go and fulfill his purpose. 
want somebody to catch that. So, if the stone is not rolled away to let him out, why is the stone rolled away? Then it must have been rolled away to let somebody in. I'm trying to preach this thing like I feel it, though. I'm going to need some help. If it wasn't rolled away to let somebody out, it had to be rolled away to let somebody in. I believe that God allows the angel to roll away the stone so that people could see for themselves that Jesus was not there. God was saying, I need a witness. Look at your neighbor and say, can I get a witness? He rolled that stone away because he needed a witness to the resurrection. God don't need that stone rolled away for him to get out. I just need somebody to see I ain't there no more. I need, I need a witness to resurrection. No, and I love this. But the, the, the even funnier thing is, before they saw that the body was not there, like if seeing is really believing, like this is something else, they saw an angel. Post, you ever seen an angel? Some of you may have. I haven't. I'm just, I'm not telling you, know, I'm just saying. I ain't seen one, right? If I saw an angel, I think I would know an angel if I saw one. And he was chilling. He was posting up, sitting on the stone. And, and not only that, like, he, he was sitting there, and I'm sure like angels probably ain't even got normal voices. Like I'm sure, I'm sure once again, if it's an angel, you're going to know it's an angel. And he, he, said, he said something to him. He, he said, now, if I saw and heard an angel, I'm like, I'm good. I believe whatever you want me to believe. But God did not want anybody to make a mistake about what was really happening. We might have believed it if we heard it, but God said hearing is not enough. I got, I got to let you see this for yourself. We serve the God that fully understands that seeing is believing. I got, if I don't see it for myself, and I'm just, I'm declaring, and I want to prophesy a little bit in this resurrection season. I believe in this resurrection season, God's about to show some people some things. Because you heard some things long for a long time. You're like, ah, I want to believe that. But man, maybe the time is going too long. You're like, man, I used to believe, but like I keep on hearing it. People don't prophesy. They done said it. Pastor done preached 10 messages about it. I've heard it a lot. But God, it's been a year. It's been two years. It's been three years. It's been five years. It's been 10 years. I'm like, man, God, I hear you, but I need to see something. And I'm believing in this resurrection season. God's about to show some people some things that they have been waiting to see he has rolled the stone away so you can come and see your miracle. You're going to be able to see your healing in this season so that you believe. You're going to be able to see your debt get canceled in this season so you believe. You're going to be able to see your marriage get healed in this season so that you believe. You're going to get to see your lost son and your lost daughter come home so that you believe. You're going to see that baby that you've been believing over a decade for to come into fruition. You gonna see that king or queen birth just so that you can believe but not so that you can believe so that you and everybody else that sees can believe if you believe it say amen. God's gonna allow somebody to see it this season so that they believe because I serve the God that can show you way better than he can tell you. Mm-mm. 
He wants you to see it for yourself. It's one thing like when somebody else tell you they saw it. It's a whole other thing when you see it for yourself. Oh my God, why? Why? People may not always believe what they hear, but it's hard for you to debate what you have seen. I love what it says next. In Matthew 28, 8, it says, so the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy. Isn't that like a funny thing to say? Afraid yet filled with joy. Tells disciples. I love that it says afraid yet filled with joy. I don't want your fear about what may be happening to you in this season to stop you from experiencing the joy of resurrection. Some of you got a lot of stuff going on. That's why you came to church today. Pastor better tell me something about my situation today. <laughs> you got a new business venture that's going on. It's got you scared. You got a new relationship. It's got you scared. This faith walk is new for some of the people in this room. It's got you a little scared. You got opportunities. And in this season, man, those things may seem very scary. But rest assured, ultimately, God wants us in this season to take the new things that we've seen and the new experiences because he wants to develop joy in your spirit. Some of you just think like getting saved is like, all right, God, I'm saved now. I'll see you on the other side when I get to heaven. No. He wants to take this journey with you and he wants to give you moments of joy. Like the craziest thing to me is when I see angry believers. It's like you love Jesus. Hmm. Like, where is your joy? With these weak, passive, grumpy people. And then we wonder why, like, people don't want to believe what we believe. The Bible tells me that the joy of the Lord is my strength. Joy should make you strong. It should get you excited about life. Like someone, oh Lord, help me endure. No, my prayer is God help me enjoy. I haven't been just giving this life to endure. I know it's some things I got to endure, but why can't I find enjoyment in endurance? Am I scared sometimes? Yeah, I'm not going to front like I'm not. But man, I got so many things in my life that just continually give me joy that it gives me strength to go through the scary moments of life. As believers, who are we without our joy? Never let your fear kill your joy. Oh my goodness. Scary to move forward with God. But ultimately, I can promise you, resurrection should always bring you joy. And lastly, see how fast that was? Do you believe in the resurrection or do you believe the robbery? Do you believe the robbery? Matthew 28, 11, 15, 11 through 15 says, while the woman were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief of priests everything that had happened. When the chief of priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money telling them, you are to say, his disciples came during the night. Hold up, let me put on my Pharisee voice. You are to say, his disciples came during the night and stole him away while you were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers 
took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated amongst the Jews to this very day. So just like the disciples of Jesus received an eyewitness testimony from the women at the tomb, the Pharisees, they received a testimony from the soldiers who were at the tomb. And instead of what they, instead of seeing something that developed faith in them, they saw something that developed fear in them. Oh my goodness. Look at what this says. It says, I, I, I love this. They, they, they knew, the Pharise- see the Pharisees weren't stupid. And because they were supposed to be these righteous, holy teachers of God, when the soldiers told them, hey man, Jesus gone. I'm sure that's how they say, hey man, he gone. <laughs> when they said that, the Pharisees, who were supposed to be religious men waiting on the Messiah, they should have got happy. Oh, he was telling the truth this whole time. Oh, snap. We messed up. Lord, please forgive us. No, they ain't humble themselves. They doubled down on their ignorance. No, 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 no. What you say you saw? You saw what? Huh? No, 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 no. Let me tell you what you saw. I hear what you're saying you saw. I know the truth, but I'm not going to believe the truth. This is great. Like, they heard from the eyewitnesses. No, no, no. Why? Because the Pharisees cared more about their position than people, and they were scared to lose their power over the people. So for them to admit that Jesus was actually who he said he was, this would steal all their power away. So when they heard the testimony of the guards, Fear was developed in them because of what they thought they might lose. They didn't look at the resurrection seeing what they might gain. They looked at the resurrection to see what they might lose. It's crazy. The funny thing, though, about fear is fear makes you stupid. Fear makes you very stupid. You're supposed to be a nice pastor. No, fear makes you dumb. Fear makes you do dumb things. Fear makes you say dumb things. You ever chilling at, at, at the beach and something grazed past your ankle in the waters? <laughs> now you felt it. Nobody else saw it. Nobody else felt it. They just saw you doing, <laughs> they're like, what's wrong with him? Fear makes you stupid. Fear makes you do dumb things. It's why when you're in a crowd of people and somebody start running, everybody start running. You don't know why you're running. <laughs> what are we running? I don't know. We're running. I saw him run, so I ran. Fear makes you stupid. Fear makes you dumb. Right? It it was like, fear makes you so dumb. Did you hear what they told the guards to say? It's the stupidest. Like, if you're going to come up with a fake story, you got to come up with a better story than that. Like, (laughs) their false testimony. First of all, let me just give you some context. If the Romans at that time in history were guarding something, especially a tomb, one, they would put a seal on that tomb. There's a seal on that tomb. If that thing, that, that seal stood for the authority of Rome stands behind the locking of this tomb and no one can open it. Not only that, we often like see the story with the guards getting terrified and there's two of them, they fall down. They're like, oh. That's not how Rome would have operated. These were, so, these were, tra- these were trained soldiers. Trained. So they would have went 
out in a regiment. And it would not have been two of them. It would have been 16 of them. It would have been 16 of them, and all, all of them had a specific job. But every one of the 16, they were in charge of guarding a, a six-foot square space. So it's like, this my area. If somebody come in this area, I'm going to kill somebody. And it was 16 of them, right? And if one of the guards out of the 16 fell asleep, and their superiors found out that guard, he would literally be burned in his own clothes. But not only would that guard die, the other 15 would die with him because they allowed him to go to sleep because they were not allowed to fall asleep on their post. Not only did the Romans know that, the Pharisees would have known that. So literally, they're like, hey man, hey, go tell your superiors you fell asleep. You sending me to my death. But let's take all of the technicality out of them being soldiers and the, and the consequences that they could have faced for falling asleep on the job. Listen to how stupid this story sounds. Okay? They devised a plan with a large sum of money telling them you are to say his disciples came during the night and stole him away while you were asleep. Being asleep, one would kill them, but let's just say it wouldn't. Let's just say like they could just casually sleep on the job. And let's just say the disciples did come. And in the middle of the night when the soldiers were sleeping, would they? because when you sleep, how many of y'all sleep with your eyes open? You sleep with your eyes what? So, if you are sleeping and your eyes are closed, how do you know who took the body? Your eyes was closed. So your testimony don't even make sense. It's like, Joanne did it, how? It's, it's like me and my wife, man, we go to the movies sometimes. I love my wife, man. She, she just, she brings me so much joy. Hopefully I don't sleep on the couch later for this, but like when we go to the movies, I know when my wife's not interested in the movie because she falls asleep in the movie. It don't matter where we are. Like, she, she's out. And the thing that she does make me mad. One, she likes to ask questions. When she likes a movie, she's up, she's engaged, and she's asking questions through the whole movie like I've seen the movie before. I'm like, I paid for this with you. What's his name? Girl. They just showed the man face on screen. Nobody called him by name yet. Is that the villain? I don't know. I just saw him giving a kid ice cream. I'm like, I don't know either. <laughs> but the thing that made me mad, oh my God, when, 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 she, when, she, when she not engaged in the movie, she in the movie like that. <laughs> and then go had a nerve. So she, it's like, I think she be faking, cause she wake up at the precise end of the movie. <laughs> what happened? Stop. <laughs> we can't have a conversation about the movie. There are no plot details being discussed about this movie. Why? Because she see the movie. Her eyes are closed because she's unconscious. So what kind of valid testimony could you actually be expected to give when you're unconscious to the events in question? 
hey, go tell them you were asleep, but you saw the disciples. What? That doesn't make any sense. Even if the body was stolen, they would never know who actually did it. They was out. Uh, and what's even sadder is that as bogus as I just proved that that testimony is, Matthew 28, 15. And this story is still widely circulated amongst Jews to this very day. That's the story you're going to run with? The one with the dudes whose eyes was closed? The ones that were sleeping on the job? That's the, that's the story we're going to run with. And it made me ask this question as I read this text. How many people have been deceived throughout history because of a false testimony? Wow. <laughs> like, all of history, if we actually think about it, is corroborated by the eyewitness testimonies of humans that have been passed down from generation to generation. How do you think they write history books? Somebody had to tell a story. Multiple people had to corroborate the story, right? Like, if we can believe anything in history, I believe we could believe the witness of the Marys at the tomb because their eyes were wide open. They saw nobody. But the guards, they didn't, they didn't see what fully happened, but they were being paid to give a testimony. And the thing that makes me laugh is like people when they are like people be trying to argue with me, man, you're a pastor. So you tell me why, you know, I, I think Jesus was alive, but, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think he, he, he rose again. I'm like, OK, so you can't believe this testimony in the Bible, but you'll open a history book and you'll believe testimonies about other people in history because Jesus was not just like a storybook character. He was a historical figure. You'll believe all these stories about all these people and put it under the guise of education and knowledge that have been told from generation to generation. So much, you believe in so much that you go tell your kids about it. And you tell them, you go to school, you better learn that history. All history is, is a collection of testimonies that have continued to be told generation after, but, but you question Jesus? You question the resurrection? Like, no one questions the rise of Napoleon Bonaparte because he had eyewitnesses. Nobody questions the Boston Tea Party. There were witnesses. You sure it happened that way? Like, who, you ever heard somebody like have questions about that? Like, no, no, nobody questions the Civil War. People were there. They experienced it. Nobody questions the transatlantic slave trade. Nobody questions the Wright brothers. We was the first to fly. Nobody questions that. Nobody questions the Berlin Wall falling. I'm old enough to actually remember seeing that happen. Nobody questions that. Why? Because of eyewitnesses. We have read these things in history books and called them facts all our lives, our entire lives. And then we got the nerve to teach them to our next generation because of stories that have been told and passed down from generation to generation because there was multiple eyewitnesses. But you can't believe that some people saw a resurrected savior? As it pertains to Jesus, not only were there eyewitness testimonies from the tomb that day, 
But somebody in this room needs to know there were hundreds of people that saw him in the days after. But the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 8, it says, this is Paul talking for what I receive, I pass on to you as a first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve after that, he appeared to more than 500, 500 eyewitnesses, 500 brothers and sisters at the same time, back when this was written, most of all whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. He appeared to James, the apostle, and last of all, this is Paul talking about myself, he appeared to me, and we know he did on that road to Damascus because it changed that man's life forever. How do we just ignore the historical testimonies of people that were privy to an open tomb to go and see for themselves? Like, like not only did they see Jesus, they interacted with Jesus. They ate with Jesus after the resurrection. He was doing a fish fry on the beach when he said, Peter, hey man, come here. <laughs> so we know he wasn't a ghost because he was eating. Right? These people, inter 500 plus people interacted with Jesus before he went back into heaven. But then we still question the fact on if he was resurrected and brought back to life. False testimonies have made us ignore the receipts of resurrection. I'm going to talk, but first I need you to play <laughs> so I can land this plane. False testimonies have made us ignore the receipts of resurrection. <laughs> I love that saying that we say now when we want to see proof of something. Show me receipts. So I got my, my receipt book here, man. And I, 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 I love receipts. You know you need receipts these days because, especially like with this social media generation, you need receipts because like everything is cap. Let me translate for those in the room that don't know what cap is. Cap is lie. Okay? So we need receipts or we need proof to stop all the cap, to stop all of the lies. If you live on social media, everything's cap. Everything. And I, I love, like, it makes me laugh when people get called out on social media. Because they be capping, they be like, show me receipts. And then people start posting, like, text message conversations. And I got, I got receipts. Because there's so much cap in the world. That people always feel like they got to prove themselves to other people. So we show receipts. Like, have you ever had to, like, provide evidence of a proof of purchase? I know that we use receipts as, as, like, evidence to prove who we are. But, like, the original thought about a receipt is that a receipt is a proof of purchase. If you walk out of a store and maybe they forgot to take the sensor off and you walk out and you're there, wham, 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 they're like, come back. And what do you got to do? You got to show your what? You got to show your receipt before they let you leave the store because you got to prove that you actually purchased that thing that you walked out with. When you purchase something, you get a receipt. A receipt, I love this, is evidence 
of an accepted payment. It's evidence of an accepted payment. And man, maybe God just sent me here on this Resurrection Sunday to let somebody know that the cross was the payment. The resurrection was the receipt. Proving that the payment was fully accepted. Oh man. Hope somebody can let that rest in their spirit today. You see, I don't know about you, but the empty tomb is the only receipt of resurrection that I need to prove that my God is real. Because until you can find his bones or any other evidence that disqualifies the receipt of the empty tomb, that's all I need. The truth of the matter is that the absence of evidence is all the evidence I need to prove that my God is real. You want to see? Yeah, it's no bones. You think bones are? Listen, if they could find the bones of Tutankhamun, if they could find bones of dinosaurs that have been fossilized for 65 million years to prove that they're real, let me tell you, the fact that they cannot find the bones of Jesus Christ is the only receipt that I need to prove that he is alive, to prove that he lives, to prove that he came back to life. You see, based upon the evidence of the empty tomb, you can now today go and see for yourself that our God is alive. I love this because based upon the empty tomb, you yourself can make a decision to decide to believe. Was it a resurrection or was it a robbery? You may not believe what I believe, but you definitely can't disprove it. Come at me, bro. You can't disprove the resurrection. Many have tried and failed, but there is no evidence to show that our Savior is dead. You can even today buy a plane ticket and travel to Jerusalem, the Holy Land yourself. And if you wish, you can go and see the stone that was rolled away. And you can look at the tomb that was cut out from a cave. And let me tell you what you will not find. You will not find a body and you will not find bones because Jesus is not dead. He is alive. He's come back to life. But you know what God also revealed to me during this whole thing as I was thinking about this? <laughs> I believe in the resurrection with all my heart. I believe in the resurrection with all my soul, all my body, all my mind, all my spirit. I know my Savior lives. I have no doubt that he is not in that tomb. I know that he is alive and I believe in the resurrection, but the truth of the matter is it wasn't just a resurrection, it was also a robbery. It was a resurrection. 
and it was a robbery. What are you talking about? It ain't a robbery the way that you're thinking about. It was a resurrection, but let me tell you, man, Jesus committed a robbery because he robbed death of its sting. He robbed the devil of his victory. He robbed your old life of its guilt and sin and its shame, and he brought you back to life. Jesus plundered hell, taking the keys of death, hell, and the grave to bring you back to life. How do you know? Because the Bible tells me so. Revelations 1, 18 says, I am the living one. I was dead, but now look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys to death and hell because Jesus holds the keys to death. That is the only receipt that we need from him to know that he has power to bring us back from death to life. It was a resurrection and a robbery that give us the choice to believe today. <laughs> See, I love this. I was talking about receipts, but here's the beautiful part. When you make a choice to believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you become a receipt of the resurrection. I don't think they heard me, man. Like, you become a receipt. Hey, let me tell you something. I got receipts. Patrika, you're a receipt of the resurrection. I know you love Jesus. Joanne, you are a receipt of the resurrection. Dad, you're a receipt of the resurrection. Leo, Lucy, y'all receipts of the resurrection. Bernard, you're a receipt of the resurrection. Chile, you're a receipt of the resurrection. Ishmael, you're a receipt of the resurrection. Y'all are a receipt. Frank, you're a receipt of the resurrection. Tim, you're a receipt of the resurrection. Alba, you're a receipt of the resurrection. Ben, you're a receipt of the resurrection. Kirby, you're a receipt of the resurrection. And at the end of the day, every believer in this room, if you have confessed Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are a receipt of the resurrection. And if that's not enough, I got one more receipt of the resurrection that nobody can take away from me. I am a receipt of the resurrection because I know that my Savior lives. I know what he saved me from and I know what he was willing to do for me. If you believe it, say amen. Thank you so much for listening. To hear more messages like this one, please be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. And if you like what you heard, please consider sharing with your friends because it helps so much. Don't forget to connect with us at our website, thecoolchurch.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at We Are Cool Church. And always remember that you were created out of love.